Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. Welcome back, Cracked fans, to another edition of the Cracked Interviews Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. It's officially that time of year, folks. Time for us to run back one of our favorite segments here on the Cracked Interviews Podcast. We have officially reached the NCAA Sweet 16. As such, we are officially ready to unveil our Cracked Racket Sweet 16 press row, where I will attempt to speak with one representative from Every remaining Division One team still alive in that NCAA team event. Now, in the past, we've tried to speak with head coaches exclusively. I wanted to mix things up. We've been so fortunate to speak with so many of these head coaches, not just in the past, but in this 2023 season in particular, that, again, I wanted to hear a different perspective on where each of these teams currently sit entering this Sweet 16 weekend. As such, yes, you'll hear from some head coaches, but you'll also hear from some assistant coaches. You'll hear from some players over the next few days on this podcast. As again, I try to prepare all of us college tennis fans for the start of the NCAA Sweet 16. Before we get to today's episode, have to give a massive shout out to the support we get from our friends at Turner, who not only support this podcast, they support each and every week's episode of The Deciding Point and support tennis players everywhere by providing, simply put, the best grip available on the market. There's a reason all of us as tennis fans can identify a Turner grip on someone's racket. That iconic trademark blue color, it glistens on each and every tennis court. It's utilized, of course. It's also the best in the business, the most durable. It gets tackier as you sweat. And now they've got the latest iteration of their Turner grip as well as Turner has unveiled. Turner Tough, it's just a better version of that Turner grip all of us has come to love. You can, of course, find Turner Grips wherever you shop for your tennis supplies. And look, the next time you got to change your grip, know that Turner not only provides the best in the business, they support our podcasts here as well. So the least we can ask you to do is support them also. A massive shout out to our friends at Turner. Be sure to check out the latest iteration, the Turner Tough Grip today. With that said, let's get to it. Here is an episode from our 2023 NCAA Sweet 16 press row. Joining us on the podcast today is another guest somehow joining us for the first time here on this show. Of course, he's a man all of you may know best as the former head coach of the University of Minnesota, former head coach at William & Mary, now associate head coach at the University of North Carolina, and a man you may occasionally see uh, courtside smoking from his pipe. It's our dear friend, Tyler Thompson. (laughs) Coach, welcome on to the show. How are you doing? today i'm very well alex thanks for uh that intro i'm like to hear your explanation for that yeah well from what i'm told is that the smoking pipe is designer only 
um, and that it's just for show. Not no actual function. There's no smoking being done. It's just for fashion. It is very true. Um, three of the members of the team a few <laughs> weeks ago, my wife and I were out riding bikes, and we ran into Fiona and Sophia and Sarah, and they, after that chance meeting, for some reason or other, thought that a corncob pipe was an appropriate <laughs> gift for me. And they uh, then um, insisted that I, the corncob pipe makes at least one appearance in all <laughs> matches, hence. So I've, I'm trying to do that without having my administrators see me pull out a corncob pipe in the midst of a match. Yeah, I'm trying to think, like, maybe you could bring a match book as well. And if you really go old school and light the match and just, like, have something going there again. No no actual smoking will be done. But, yeah, yeah, when you had the beard, it would have completed the look. There's no doubt about that. And I think that joke, of course, speaks to the fun-loving nature of this UNC team. And, you know, again, a lot of different things I want to ask you about here on today's show. But let's just start with that opening weekend of the NCAA tournament. You guys are able to get off to a comfortable start, 4-0 wins over Charleston Southern and Old Dominion. How would you assess your team's uh, performance through the first two matches? I thought it was it was good. Um, it's such an interesting experience coaching a team that has this degree of success. And I say that having come from a lengthy career that had many, many years of the opposite. <laughs> and... Um, you know, we, we have such a consistent degree of success that it becomes somewhat taken for granted and it's becomes somewhat um, anticipated. And when we have close sets or we tend to lose sets, it can sometimes feel like somewhat dramatic. But the fact of the matter is, as we go into the postseason and the uh, lights get brighter so to speak and the you know expectations grow it's going to be commonplace for us to have closer matches and and that's what happened this weekend and we played good opponents and it just it's good for us to be to be in those tighter spots Mm -hmm. with that perspective in mind obviously again looking at the record for this team i think you guys are now what 31 and one overall on the year how do you and Coach Kalpas go about pacing this group and making sure, again, through all of that success, you don't a peak too early and b you know burn out at any point along the way? Yeah, that's been a real point of emphasis for ours this year because we are, you know, we take our jobs very seriously of preparing the team that we best that we can, and we would be naive to not see a trend whether it's empirical or not there could be a trend implied that we peak early and then we don't we're not peaking towards the end so we've endeavored to do a number of things this year to help that we've taken a more scientific approach to our periodization from a health standpoint of you know being mindful about training blocks as swimming coaches do and track coaches do of really having some science behind our loads and our our break times and then we also you would never come to a practice of ours and see dire faces or 
dire conversations. It's a very, very light atmosphere. It's very fun. Um, I think to a woman on our team, practice is their favorite part of the day. And I, and I know that that's, they, they know that that's not necessarily a commonplace thing across the country. I think it's a really unique environment we have here, but I think that lighthearted atmosphere also helps to pace everything. And, and we don't put an overemphasis on one particular match. We never, ever talk about wins and losses. Um, so I think it's both kind of a, uh, it's a holistic approach to trying to pace, pace everything. Mm-hmm. Talking to people around your program, I've been fortunate enough to interview Coach Calpas this year, been fortunate enough to interview Abby this year, and obviously got to see you guys at the indoors. Not to, you know, again, say anyone isn't doing this, but two people that have been pointed out in particular, that voices that have really broken through are Scotty's voice and then having Sophia Patel as your senior leaders. And, you know, you talk about maintaining poise in those four all five all sets and you know keeping perspective in what you guys are accomplishing I'm sure it's easy for you and coach Calvis to try and preach those things how helpful is it to have you know senior leaders and a team that really seems bought in to those principles this year as well and you know coach Calvis mentioned this when I talked to him after the indoors what have you seen from this group this year in particular that you know, makes it so that practice is the most enjoyable time for this team. Yeah, well, I'll, I think there were two questions embedded there. And the <laughs> first one is the leadership and the experience on our program, in our program, is incredibly important as we get into these later stages of the season because most everybody on our team, really in our starting lineup with the exception of Reese, has been in the crucible of the NCAA tournament. And so they're not strangers to big crowds. They're not strangers to big matches. And that's invaluable to be in that environment and not feel overwhelmed by it. That's huge. Um, And in terms of the day-to-day influence, um, you really can't say enough about Sophia Patel, honestly. Like, it's. I think it's uncommon that someone who is not showing up in the scorebook has such a massive impact on a team. But she's an astoundingly effective captain for us in so many different facets of, um, you know, preventing or curtailing any drama that might happen, um, of facilitating relationships throughout the team, you know, the avoidance of clicks or at least trying to avoid that and keep everybody connected on many, many different levels. Um, the exuberance that she brings to practice and to matches. I mean, you've, you've heard of her at matches. She's, there are times where I've had to depart my proximity to her because my <laughs> eardrums are being compromised at matches. Um, but she's just she's all in and completely bought in and is a very, very valued member of our team and has has a tremendous role in our success. Yeah. It how do you go about, you know, again, maintaining that culture, maintaining that atmosphere of you know, again, what is having that it factor that so frequently when the tennis is even can push teams through the finish line in the NCAA tournament. How do you balance developing that with also you know, again, you have, 
nine, what, I forget how many players are on the roster, but everyone's game style is a little bit different. How have you and Coach Calvis gone about balancing team development with individual development this season? Well, we, you know, we're a program that does a lot of individuals, but none of the individuals are required. They're all voluntary. They're all driven by them. We want that to be the motivation to be internal for that. And so we, we spend a ton of time on those individual aspects in the private sessions that we do with them. We try to tailor the team practices to hit different individual aspects, but that's pretty hard with 10 people. We actually have 10. Um, but we, we really um, speak on a daily basis, if not weekly, if not daily, about growth, about um, every match is a practice match. Um, really, we talk a lot about how all growth requires change. Nothing in life grows unless it changes, and that goes to tennis as well, of being okay with going into uncharted territory, uncomfortable territory in the interest of growth. And uh, we have a team of players who are all really open to that and always striving to add new facets, even in this last few weeks after our loss to NC State, which was incredibly beneficial for us. Um, it's opened up new categories of growth for us that were revealed from losing that match that might not have been otherwise. Mm-hmm. You bring up the ACC tournament final, so let's talk about that now. Obviously, at Cary, I heard it was a ruckus crowd. You know, again, NC State, dare I say they played their best match of the season, certainly to date. And you had Schneider clicking on all cylinders. Obviously, we know how good as college tennis fans they are at doubles traditionally. And we saw that on display in that match. You know, what did what did you learn from that experience? What did the team learn and how have they responded in the week since? Well, I need to be careful what I divulge because <laughs> if I divulge everything that we learned, it might reveal some things that sure. could be exploitable. But um, Simon listens, uh, so yeah, be yeah. careful. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will say that when I sent Simon a congratulatory text after the match, he said that's probably the best match we've played since he's been the coach at NC State. And I have a tremendous amount of respect for what he's done there. It's incredible. But um, I think the biggest thing that we learned, Alex, was – it, it allowed us to have a, a more microscopic attention to the things that need development. You know, when you, when you win regularly, it's human nature to kind of gloss over things that might have been slightly exploited or revealed because it ended well in the end, you know. And so that's been a big challenge of ours is to continue to find areas of growth even when we're successful um but that was really impactful for us i think another element of it was just that brian talks regularly in the huddle about you know we need to punch first and if we get punched we need to punch back and the energy that nc state brought that day in concert with the crowd was a consistent barrage of jabs and, and body blows. And, and that was arresting for us when we didn't respond as well as we could. And it, it, you know, we had a really productive team meeting a couple of days after that match where the team made some commitments to themselves about 
how they would drive energy going forward in a proactive way rather than be reactive. And that was that was important for us. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the changes we did see manifest itself, so you can give it away. First time all season, you guys changed the doubles lineup. And look, I wouldn't be doing my – I just don't want to hear the grief if I don't ask you about it. Obviously, you guys submit a lineup with Abby at three, Carson at four. That ultimately – denied but you know reset one now fiona at two the doubles pairing switched what led to the changes what was the thinking behind them yeah fair question doubles um it from an outsider's perspective it could be a head scratcher because we've got two teams that made the ncaa's and we were successful this year i think we lost three doubles points which is no reason for real concern but when you coach as long as we have, it becomes apparent sometimes that freshness it can be really beneficial of re-energizing partnerships, re-energizing details. Um, so that was part of it, but also we just felt that we also learned as the season went along that there are certain game styles within our six doubles players that had a better opportunity to complement one another. Um, you know, just case in point, Fiona and Abby are unbelievable counterpunchers. They're not natural, you know, I'm going to charge the net and I'm going to shove it down somebody's throat with, with positioning. And we just felt like that could be an amazing combination. They both have savvy. They both know how to counterpunch, how to find openings and, and our other two teams are a little bit more straightforward, you know, and complement one another that way. So I think from a double standpoint, that was the impetus. Singles, Brian and I have spoken a lot and have had some choice words about the way that the NCAA kind of administered this process. We feel that when you have a team of that includes seven people who all five of whom are in the NCAA tournament, you're really picking at nits. If you suggest that one is really more justified than another to be at the top, I think with all humility, um, I think many of the players on our team, their rankings are dependent upon the position they play in our lineup. You know, you, you look at, Annika and Riley and Scotty, who traditionally have been near the bottom of our lineup, all of them on occasion have been, I think, in the top 20 in the national rankings. So it was really upsetting to us, honestly, that someone would suggest that there wasn't ability for us to, to move the pieces around equitably and, and with fairness. And I think just because they've been playing in certain situations for most of the year, certain positions doesn't necessarily mean that that they are the, in that rank order how our team lines up. So we, you know, for and in response to what we've seen in trends and practice and matches, just wanted to, uh, you know, position our players in the places we felt were best fit for the tournament. And, you know, the, the committee didn't see it that way, and, and that that's okay. But I do think there's – I think it's a unusually critical perspective when you're slicing atoms in our team like you are, you know? 
Yeah, no. If that makes sense. Absolutely. And I appreciate your candidness in your response. And I'm curious with that lineup flexibility, obviously, specifically, Riley, Annika, Scotty at five, six, seven, you know, a lot of interchangeability. I think that's a word uh, between the three. Do you plan on being flexible throughout the remainder of this NCAA tournament? Like, do you feel pretty locked in your six or will it be matchup dependent? You know, again, health dependent moving throughout the tournament. There are four, four criteria that we've broadcast to the team that will be determinants of how we move through with our lineup. And you mentioned two of them, health and matchups. You know, we, we do have the flexibility to pull someone to achieve matchups. And we've done that throughout the year for a variety of reasons. You know, we when we played Pepperdine at Indoors, Fiona didn't play. And as we learned against NC State, if you pull somebody at the top, it creates an entirely new, um, you know, ledger of matchups. So that's something that will certainly be a consideration of ours. Um, and we're really happy and fortunate to have some some flexibility in that regard. Yeah, it's it's both a burden, but ultimately the biggest blessing. It's the best burden to have when you have that sort of flexibility. I'm curious in a year where, again, obviously so much success, 31-1, and fourth straight national indoor championship. Have there been any surprises? Like, what's been the biggest surprise to you in coaching this group this year? Yes, honestly, I think the biggest surprise to me, and I'm so happy to say this, is the selflessness of this team. Because, and it's not unique to this year, honestly, the past few years. When we've gone into the season, we've had some concern as a staff as to whether everybody could manage their egos in terms of the, you know, as we referenced before, we have, we have players near the bottom of our lineup who are able and justified to play near the top. And the way that this team has left their egos at the door and been supportive of what was in the best interest of the team as a whole was remarkable and somewhat surprising because it takes a lot of maturity to do that and to have that happen uniformly across our team was pretty damn special yeah no it's a really fun group to watch and obviously you've got a matchup coming up this weekend you're taking on a florida program you all know well i think you played them last year in the sweet 16 if my memory serves me correct you know what about that matchup, are you looking forward to what's it going to take for the Tar Heels to get it done? Well, I always love coaching against Roland. I always just enjoy that. He's He's got Carolina ties, and he's just a good, good guy. Um, and it's fun. I just love, you know, I even though I've been here now, this is my fifth season, I think I, I still – do not take anything for granted because I've come from a background in coaching that it was rare. You know, I, 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 I said to the team prior to the, our first match last weekend, just how there are 240 teams who didn't make the tournament and almost all of those teams, when they make the NCAA tournament, it is, it is incredibly special. Like 
you know, in those years where I was at other schools and we were on the bubble and every match meant whether we had were included in the tournament or not, it's, it's an incredibly special thing. And so now the reason I say that is to be in this environment now where we're playing these behemoths of athletics, you know, on a regular basis, you can kind of, it'd be easy to take it for granted, but I just love it. I'm like a kid in a candy store, UNC versus Florida, you know, like that's just awesome. So I, I love that. And for us to be successful, um, I think the the key to success in the postseason is some luck, but most importantly, how you manage your emotions and how you compete. Um, you know, how you sustain confidence, how you tamp down disappointment. Um, there's two matches at play all the time. The match when the ball is in play and the 25 seconds when the ball isn't in play. And winning the match between the points is as important i think as when the ball is in play so we'll be we'll be focusing on that this weekend and trying to play stingy out of the corners and aggressive anytime we can no i love to hear it what are the benefits of getting this match at home and what are your thoughts super regional versus sweet 16 at the final site well if you are fortunate to host Super Regional, then you're certainly a proponent of the Super Regional format. Our facility right now, the Tuning Tennis Center, which just opened up, is incredible. I, I'm a big sports fan, and my favorite venue on campus here is to go watch baseball games. It's an amazing stadium. But I think that our tennis stadium is now a rival for the best spectating atmosphere on campus we get great crowds anytime you have a roar coming from the crowd in college tennis it's it's special and um i'm just thrilled that we get to have another match here and can't wait mm-hmm. is there a title favorite in your mind at this point 16 teams left in the draw do you think there are is maybe it's you guys again we've had a coach come on here and say yeah i think we're the favorite do you think you guys are the favorite where are you with the rest of the field I have a lot of respect for all the teams remaining at this point, And I also have a lot of respect for the moment mm-hmm. and the moment can close the gap on any perceived, you know, chasm between two, uh, two opponents. And so I think I, I, I mean, I, I could, I, I'm, I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> okay. Fair <laughs> enough. I like it. That's that's the answer I was looking for. I know beyond just, you know, again, your coach of UNC, you're a fan of all things college tennis. What was your reaction to the Duke upset and just everything we saw over the course of the opening weekend, the state of the product of college tennis? I was lying in bed around 10 that night and decided to see what was happening and I turned it in, tuned it in and watched the, I saw the last couple points of Chevette's and Luchtemeyer. I'm not certain how to pronounce her name. And then Vagramov and, and Brizgalova. And I thought the level of play in that last match was outstanding. I mean, they both were full throated going after it. Um, I think I, I was just on a, Zoom call with Tim Russell 
an hour or so ago and he talked about how he's so pleased about the parody of college tennis and I think it's incredible. There's so much good high-level tennis. That was a tough spot for Duke to be without their full lineup, um, to see some leads evaporate. Um, but that's that's what college tennis is. I mean, there are so many momentum swings. You, you cannot assume that everything is going to go your way. You just cannot assume that. Momentum can change in a hurry, and uh, as was evidenced in that match. It was a fun week, no doubt about it. Fun weekend of action, and it's only going to get better as things progress. I know, again, you're following things happening outside of UNC, and there's been so many good storylines. That's why I want to ask all the best brains during this series. Is there a team, coach, player, I'm sure there are a couple, outside of your program that have particularly impressed you this season? It'd be impossible to not notice Boomer. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, what Boomer has done at Iowa State, I, when I was in Minnesota, we played them regularly. They were, I mean, it's, it's, it's Horatio Alger's story from rags to riches. It, it, it's incredible, the transformation of that program. And he just gets after it, I think, mostly in recruiting. I mean, he's a great coach, but it's mostly Johnny's and Joe's, not X's and O's at this, you know, and he's done an incredible job recruiting. I'm sure great with the X's and O's as well. Um, so I have a tremendous amount of respect for what Boomer has done. Um, I have, I mean, you could tell a similar story of what's happened at NC state over the last decade. You know, we, we beat NC state at both of my last two stops. And, uh, that is, that that's a far cry from from where they are right now you know simon i i'm i am still at the moment the curator of the women's collegiate tennis hall of fame so i i pay attention to the history of college tennis and simon is is on the walls of the hall of fame already for having won eight or nine national championships in division two is it an incredible hire by their athletic department and He's done an outstanding job. So that leads me to my final question. You talk about being the curator of the Hall of Fame. I have a, a theory. It's silly. But now I get to talk to someone in power, so this is my chance. I think in the day of modern technology, in the Hall of Fame, because tennis is a very shot-centric sport, right? Like it's not just, oh, they had a Hall of Fame career, this run, that run. It's like what was that defining shot, that, that moment, that – capitalizes on things i think there should be a gif wing in the hall of fame where you just have videos on repeat like this was the defining shot like there are some samdev devarman there's this one tumbling on the run passing shot he ends up hitting in like 08 for virginia like that gif on the wall in his hall of fame platform and like the daniel win diving volley 2011 final usc versus virginia how do we get that on the wall i also feel like again People don't know enough. There are some really cool things at the ITA Hall of Fame. Yeah. Well, and and there are two halls of fame. The women's is at William & Mary and the men's is at Georgia. I would say, Alex, the best uh, movement towards your dream just happened about a month ago. The ITA hired a Hall of Fame manager, who Jenna Kane, who is now on a daily basis taking ownership of the growth of those two um, facilities. So... 
I'll pass that along, your recommendation for the get wang. Yeah, I also think we should do like billboards of like stupid, silly facts of like fastest to go from college to top 100. And it's like, congrats, Peyton Stearns. That's now your place on the ITA Hall of yeah. Fame wall. Or like fastest to go from beating Cooter Matova and number 11 in the world to losing to Chloe Beck. Like, like how, we got we to gotta memor- commemorate the moment because like that's not going to happen ever again. Um, and so. So these are the stupid things, just the plaques think, here and there. I think we need to retain you as an outside consultant for these <laughs> particular wings. And you know what? I'll do it for free. Just get me yeah. in the Zoom. That's all I'm asking for. But no, I mean, before I let you go, I do want to say I'm immensely grateful, Coach, to your tolerance of my nonsense in particular. Uh, obviously, I've been fortunate enough to be there for the last four national indoors. And as such, you've been stuck with me for most of them as well and uh, appreciate you and all the Carolina family uh, embracing what we're doing here at Cracked Rackets and obviously we are wishing you and the team luck success down the post uh, season home stretch so regardless of what happens this weekend as you mentioned plenty of individuals for you in that team event so I look forward to seeing you all in Orlando and uh, obviously go heels good luck this weekend thanks Alex good chatting with you yeah always a pleasure coach take care yep bye Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Hope all of you enjoyed this edition of our 2023 NCAA Sweet 16 Press Row. A massive thank you to every player and coach who participated in this series. We're all excited for the home stretch of the 2023 NCAA season. Hopefully these episodes help all of you feel more prepared for the impending action. Speaking of which, if you need to catch up on anything that's happened in this NCAA tournament, Tuesday, Wednesday night, 9 p.m. Eastern time, we'll have episodes of The Deciding Point recapping everything that that's happened to date. Of course, we'll also have coverage of the Sweet 16 Friday, Saturday on our Crack Rackets YouTube channel. We'll have coverage of the quarterfinals of the D1 event. We're also going to start to work in some D2, D3 coverage as well. So rest easy college tennis fans we have you covered with coverage of everything that'll happen down the stretch of this 2023 season of course a shout out here at crack rackets to the man who makes all of that possible our super producer daniel westoff who has a of an editing job to do day in day out a shout out as well to our dear friends at turna for their support turna tough best grip in the business you can find it wherever you shop for your tennis supplies today with all of that said for our fantastic guest our super producer daniel westoff our friends at turner and from all of us here at both crack rackets and the tennis channel podcast network i'm your host alex gruskin you've been listening to another edition of the cracked interviews podcast stay safe stay healthy talk to you all soon thanks everyone <laughs>